Kamusta Katanoomers? Welcome to Tanum Tuesdays, a podcast where we talk to folks around the Philippines about their gardens, farms, food forests, and anything and everything about Tanum, which means plants. Here are your Katanoomers in this podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Chinkin. I'm Marcel. And I'm Albert. And now, on with the show. Hello, Katanoomers. I'm Marcel, and welcome back to Season 2 of Tanum Tuesdays. In this episode, I'm happy to share my interview with Vincer Quebral, the agripreneur behind Glorious Land Eco Farm in Labo, Camarines Norte. Vincer shares how a health crisis became a way for him to go back to nature. He has a strong sense and passion for biodiversity. He's a climate reality leader for the agriculture sector, and he's sharing his experience and skills to other farmers as a permaculture practitioner. A lot of great tips from Vincer in this episode, so have a listen. Here's Vincer Cabral of Glorious Land EcoFarm. Hello, Vincer. Uh, thank you once again for joining us at Tanum Tuesdays. So we can start with your journey. Kailan po kayo nag-start na gawin itong Glorious Land EcoFarm? Uh, yes, hello. Uh, good morning, Roselle. So I'm Vincer Kibral uh, of Glorious Land Eco Farm. Bale yung aking journey. Actually, as a child kasi, mahilig ako sa nature. Na-acquire namin itong property in 2005. At that time, kasi graduate ako ng computer science, uh, nagtuturo ako before. And uh, habang nagtuturo, kumukuha rin ako ng master's degree uh, at that time sa computer science. And then... Um, Unfortunately, yung school, biglang isinara yung, yung program na computer science. So after that, uh, nag-venture ako ng business. Napunta ako sa, sa retail business. Saka meron akong computer shop before. For three to five years na nag-ooperate yung ganong uh, venture ko. Then tinamaan ako ng mga karamdaman. Uh, at that time, halos hindi ako makalakad kasi yan, due to gout and then uh, diabetes. So lagi kasing na-confined sa, sa loob ng tindahan, ng, ng shop. So naging uh, uh, vulnerable sa sakit. So nung year uh, 2012, end ng 2012, nag-decide uh, na ako na magsettle mag-retire dun sa computer shop, sa, sa tindahan, at mag-settle dito sa farm. And at that time, halos hindi rin ako makagalaw dahil nga may, ano, may sakit. So ito yung aking uh, naging therapy nung nagsisimula ako dito. Dala na rin ng pangangailangan, kaya ako na-engage uh, talaga sa farming. And ang kagandahan nun, uh, nung sinimula namin ito is uh, nag-establish kami ng uh, nag-establish kami ng nature since 2005 kasi hindi namin ginagalaw yung mga punong kahoy. Ayan, yung biodiversity, uh, gustong-gusto namin yung mga ibon sa kapaligiran. Uh, siguro naririnig mo sa background yung mga huni ng ibon ngayon kasi nandito lang sila sa paligid. So, yun yung aking uh, journey na parang Nag-establish nito na isang organic, kompleto uh, ng mga, yung aming mga pang-household consumption. Dito talaga nang gagaling kasi kinakailangan ko ang healthy 
na lifestyle. At kapag uh, kunting pagkakamali lang sa pagkain, talagang nagpa-fluctuate ang ano ko, ang ang health. Uh, biglang babalik yung gout o kaya biglang tataas ang blood sugar. So, yun yung pinaka-pangunahing dahilan. Napaka-interesting po ng kwento niyo, sir. A lot of people can relate to that. And siguro ako din, natutuwa po ako ng pakinggan itong mga ibon dyan sa paligid ninyo. Um, have you always think about the farm na talagang kailangan organic siya? And kailan din po kayo nag-start ng permaculture? Nung una, hindi namin kasi nakikita na uh, parang strange ang organic, ang term na organic. Basta kami nun, ang parang ang mindset namin, mahalagang nature. Pero yung may engagement kami ng... Uh, farming na since 2008 naman nagpapatanim kami dito then hindi kami nag-organic that time gumagamit ng pesticides pa din and uh, na-observe na-obserbahan ko doon yung kung ano yung ginagawa ng farmer malaki yung kita sa pagtatanim isang halimbawa uh, ampalaya malaki yung kita as uh, conventional na pagtatanim uh, nito kaya lang nakita ko kung paano yung pag yung treatment na ibinababad sa sa lason yung bunga bago anihin para walang uod, two times a week nag-i-spray. So pagkaani, mag-i-spray ng lason. Uh, bago anihin yung aanihin ngayong araw yung ampalaya, kagabi ibinababad 'yon ng hapon. So 'yun yung isang observation ko na sabi ko uh, mas mabuti pang uh, hindi ganito yung engagement. Yung idea namin before is gusto namin ang nature. Kaya lang wala kaming idea ng yung relationship between farming at saka yung nature. So ang ginagawa namin dati, separate siya, uh, magkahiwalay yung magkahiwalay ang nature saka doon sa aking sa aming uh, farming engagement. Sa conventional na uh, kaisipan, kapag magtatanim kami ng uh, halaman o gulayan, kailangan ng clearing. Kailangan siyang talagang walang mga punong kahoy kasi magtatanim ka ng mga leafy vegetable na kailangan niya ng full sun. And then, one time, uh, may nag-approach sa akin na gusto nilang mag-conduct ng permaculture training dito sa sa province and ang ang gusto nilang gawing sample ng isang permaculture farm itong sa amin and at that time wala akong idea ano ba yung, ano ba yung permaculture and then ito yung gustong uh, maging example uh, pero before kasi may mga observation naman ako na isang halimbawa yung yung sili kinasanayan natin na itinatanim talaga siya sa full sun pero may mga observation kami na yung mga sili na nasa dawag o na natabunan ng mga uh, damo, sila yung nagsusurvive ng mas matagal. Meron din kaming yung mga native na cherry tomato, kusa siyang nabubuhay kung saan maraming damo. Mas maganda yung ano niya doon, mas maganda yung performance nila, mas maraming bunga. Kaya sabi ko, uh, nagtataka ako at that time kung ano yung pinagkaiba nung ating practice at bakit sa nature ganun yung nangyayari and nung nagpunta dito yung permaculture uh, team yung Philippine Permaculture Association parang nakita ko na ang dami kong natutunan doon although ako yung nagpapaliwanag kung ano yung uh, bakit may marami kaming punong kahoy bakit marami kaming mga maraming ibon sa paligid ano yung purpose namin pero ang pinaka ano lang kasi namin doon nung una is yung living with uh, wildlife yun yung gusto namin dati. And nung ma-introduce ako sa permaculture, doon ko nakita na marami pa lang ano, mas 
super dami pa ng posibilidad na pwedeng mangyari. So biglang, actually ano lang yan, 2018, nung ma-introduce ako sa permaculture, napakalaki ng pagbabago sa mindset. Ipinakita kasi ni, ni, nung, nung ganitong practice na yung mga resources, lahat ng na makikita mo sa paligid, uh, possible uh, resource yan. So sa ganong idea, parang uh, dati kasi, ang, kunyari magtatanim kami ng isang uri ng crop, isang concern namin is yung production din ng fertilizer para sa kanya. So isang halimbawa yon na kailangan namin maghanap ng cow manure para gumawa ng vermicompost. Yan. Then, uh, nung na-encounter ko nga itong permaculture, ang nangyari, maraming mga nalalaglag na dahon, uh, maraming damo na ginagamas, and then uh, na-encounter ko yung banana circle na kung saan gumawa ng circle para pagtambakan ng mga yan, mga nabubulok at yun ang ginagawang pataba. So ang ginawa naman namin, sa halip na banana circle, nagkaroon kami ng parang compost box ng gamit naman namin ay yung mga madre di cacao. So instead na kung ano-ano pang gawin namin fertilizer, pinapakinabangan namin yung mga dahon sa paligid tapos yung madre cacao, uh, nandun na sa compost box. Pagkailangan namin ng pangontrol sa peste, ginagamit lang namin yung mga dahon niya. So sinasabog sa lupa. At before sa land preparation, inilalahok na namin yung dahon ng madre cacao. So napakalaki nung, ano, nung parang naging impact. Nung natutunan ko lang yung, yung principle kung ano yung tinuturo ng permaculture. So nung nabago yung aking thinking, Marami akong nakita na ah pwede pala itong uh, pagkain sa hayop tulad ng wild banana na natural na tumutubo siya sa paligid. Pag naggamas ka sa isang lugar, naglinis ka ng maliit na patch, may tutubo na dyan na uh, wild banana kasi dala nila ng dalaya ng ibon. And so sa ngayon, pag nakita namin itong mga wild banana, hindi na namin yan binubunot, hindi na namin tinatabas na sa traditional na ginagawa. Tinatanggal talaga yan ng namin dati, ng mga farmers. Pero ngayon, pag may ganyan, ah, pagkain niya ng aming uh, mga baboy. So, yun na yung mindset. Ah, hindi na namin siya tinanim, kusya siyang lumalaki. So, ang ginagawa lang namin, ani lang kami ng ani ng pagkain ng hayop. So, Vincer, matapos niyo po na malaman yung principles of permaculture and somehow, actually, nakikita niyo na po yan sa farm ninyo, di ba po? Baga, na-enhance, na-enhance na lang yung inyong engagement sa, sa kapaligiran ninyo. Um, sir, medyo curious po ako, no? Kasi syempre, hindi po namin nakikita yung farm nyo ngayon. Baka pwede niyo pong, pwede niyo pong i-describe sa amin kung ano yung meron sa farm. Saan po kayo located sa Camarines Norte? Ano po yung mga makikita dyan sa farm ninyo po? Ang Glorious Land Eco Farm ay matatagpuan sa Barangay Ginakutan, Labo, Camarines Norte. Mga four years away mula sa town proper. Uh, yung klima namin dito is maulan palagi. Ang tag-init ay Abril at Agosto lamang pero mas madalas maulan. So itong aming farm sa ngayon is dahil nga nature-based, masasabi natin semi-forested uh, yung kapaligiran makikita natin dito ang iba't ibang mga maraming mga native uh, trees. Uh, we are aspiring din na uh, maging arboretum. 
So sa practice na to, ang natututukan namin ngayon ay ang native pig production. Uh, before ko natutunan ang permaculture, meron kaming mga puting baboy, uh, meron din kaming ang sow level namin dati ay tatlo na native pigs. Sa ngayon, after one year since nag-start ng pandemic, uh, meron kaming 15 sow level ng native uh, native pigs na ang pangunahing ginagamit namin is yung yung mga pagkain na kukuha lamang sa kapaligiran. Uh, wala kaming allocated na na mga hindi tulad ng traditional na livestock na kailangan mo ng malawak ang pinagkukunan ng feeds para sa kanila. So dito, patuloy namin dinidiscover ano yung pwedeng ipakain sa kanila. Ang focus namin ng production sa pagdating sa gulay uh, ay pinaprioritize namin kung ano yung aming uh, household needs. So yun yung aming pangunahin and then nagpo-produce kami nung pailan-ilan yung mga surpluses tulad ng lettuce. Yun naman yung para sa for sustainability na pwede naming igamitin pambili naman kung ano yung pangangailangan dito sa farm. So, meron din kami, gumagawa kami ng compost at ang ginagamit namin sa composting, lahat nanggagaling lang dito sa paligid din. Hindi, na, hindi kami uh, nagdadala ng nanggagaling sa labas. So, pag titingnan natin dito, halos lahat ng ginagamit namin ay uh, within dito sa sa farm lang ng gagaling. Uh, yan, mapapakinggan natin, uh, napakaraming ibon. So sila yung uh, part na sila nitong aming uh, takahan. We have uh, nursery din ng mga uh, Philippine native trees kasi ina-advocate din namin na maibalik yung mga nawawalang uh, biodiversity natin at sa pagsisimula nun, mahalaga yung mga katutubong punong kahoy sila yung nakakapag-attract ng wildlife. So, yan, basically ganun yung ano, yun yung laman. Sa meron kaming urban garden, meron kaming container garden sa taas ng bahay. Nandito yung aming mga herbs, mga pampalasa sa uh, sa kusina. So, hindi na kami gumagamit ng mga uh, artificial, hindi na kami bumibili ng mga yan, mga pampalasa. At kasi nandito sila lahat matatagpuan sa aming uh, palig, uh, paligid. Wow. So, ayun. Parang dream farm yes. po ata oh. yung <laughs> nagawa niyo dyan sa Glorious Actually, Land Eagle Farm. Uh, uh, yun yung nakaka-excite kasi. Parang uh, may ganito kaming sitwasyon. Kung nagawa siya, hindi, actually hindi siya mahirap. Hindi siya mahirap gawin as long as nandyan na yung, naintindihan natin yung Uh, principle na ang kalikasan mahalaga. Kasi once nandyan yung kalikasan, ang dami niyang napuprovide. Uh, nagiging madali yung pagtatanim. Iniiwasan namin actually ngayon yung mag-introduce ng mga halaman na mahirap alagaan. Dati kasi nag-e-effort ako magtanim ng cauliflower. Uh, maganda naman yung resulta, kaya lang talagang uh, grabe yung effort. So ma- matututok dun yung pansin sa halip na mga laga dito sa mas maraming aspect. So kapag nakatutok doon sa mga kung ano yung mga natural na mas tumutubo sa kapaligiran, mas naging madali. Before sir, we consider the traditional way, quote and quote, ay yung paggamit ng mga synthetic na fertilizer. Apo. 
Pero yes, sa po. totoo po, ang pinaka talaga pong traditional ay yung mga y- thousands of years na parang similar po sa permaculture na mas integrated tayo sa nature. Mm-hmm. Parang siguro po na sanay na lang na uh, there's oh, a certain there's a certain way of agriculture na nagagamit po yung mga synthetic. Because I know that you are also a learning site po. And yes po. So ano po yung kadalasan na mga questions ng ating ibang mga farmers tungkol sa sa ganitong practice at ano po yung ginagamit niyo pong pangkumbinsi sa kanila na ito yung ito yung nararapat na paraan ng integrating farming and nature in in one place. Yan, uh, ang effort namin ngayon is parang ma-package siya na maipakita kung ano yung mga posibilidad. Hindi natin sila hindi natin masisi yung mga magsasaka ngayon kasi medyo talagang pag nagpa-farm ka uh, kailangan nilang kumita at ang ideya ng pangangailangan kumita is naiisip nila yung mabilis na epekto kaya gumagamit ng mga synthetics. Ang hindi natin hindi na ngayon na i-experience kasi yung ano ba yung pangmatagalang epekto kung ang ginagawa natin ay itong organikong pamamaraan, yung pag-utilize. Te, kinakailangan kasi kondisyon ang lupa para talaga mas maganda ang ani. Sa traditional na practice, kahit pag nagko-convert tayo, gusto nating kumbinsin ang isang magsasaka na maging na mag-organic. Sinasabi natin na magtsatsaga ka for the next two years ng mababang ani. At ang sitwasyon ng magsasaka natin, Uh, parang walang pasensya na maghintay ng ganun katagal. Kasi ang sitwasyon ngayon, eh, kailangan nilang ma- makapagbenta ka agad para meron silang uh, makain sa uh, hapagkainan. So, kaya medyo yun yung isang mahirap kumbinsihin. Pero ang ginagawa naman namin, ang pinapakita namin ngayon, pwede ka kasing magsimula na subukan mo muna bilang magsasaka, subukan mo muna na punuan kung ano ang iyong pangangailangan sa inyong tahanan at ayan, kung ano yung mga basic, kung ano yung mga paborito niyong kainin, yun yung tanimuna natin sa masustansyang pamamaraan. So yung pinagaganda ang lupa, uh, may mga halimbawa naman kami dito na makikita na ginagamit namin paano kinukondisyon ang lupa sa pamamagitan ng mga uh, nabubulok na dahon na sa loob ng isang buwan, kahit pa ang lupa mo ay buhangin o matigas, kapag ginamitan natin ng mabilis ang pamamaraan ng pagkondisyon ng lupa, uh, agad-agaran gumaganda naman ang lupa. Kaya lang, hindi siya pwedeng isang malawakan ka agad na gawin mo siya. Kasi yung iyong resources na pinanggagaling. Kasi kung yung resources mo kasi limitado, kung ano yung meron ka sa palibot, yun yung gagamitin mo. At habang tumatagal ka sa ganitong practice, mas dumadami ng dumadami yung mga resources na pwedeng gamitin. Siguro sa pag-introduce sa mga farmers, uh, pwedeng uh, unti-unti na kunyari sampung bahagi ng kanilang sakahan. Doon muna i-convert nila sa loob ng uh, sabihin nating kalahating taon, ganun lang muna kalaki. And then kung ano yung ginawa nila doon sa maliit na bahagi na yon, i-replicate doon sa mga iba pang bahagi ng kanilang sakahan. Mahirap na bigla nating sasabihin na 
kaya mong i-hundred percent yan na gawing organic. Pero kasi sa totoo lang, kaya naman talaga. Kaya lang, yung pagpalit ng mindset, yun yung uh, matagal. So, yun yung kailangan din siguro nating uh, pagtuunan ng pansin kung paano i-convert yung magsasaka na kahit dun sa sarili nilang lupa, may makita sila munang maliit kasi sa tagal ng advocacy na mag-organic, uh, marami ng technologies na pinapakita sa farmers, yun pa rin mindset ang in the end nagiging sagabal kung bakit hindi hindi nagagawa ng farmers. Saan po kayo excited ngayon? Ano yung may mga plano po ba kayo sa farm ninyo? At ano pa yung mga gusto niyo pong gawin? Uh, ang nakaka-excite kasi sa ngayon is yung nakikita ko yung napaka-bright na future. Kasi uh, sa halimbawa, yung aking livestock, di ko na-imagine na uh, kaya siyang lumaki uh, given yung size nitong farm na maging malaki yung nadumami yung aming mga halagang hayop na uh, yung resources karamihan dito nang gagaling. At although meron pa kami mga external inputs para sa livestock, uh, nakikita namin kasi na kaya naming eventually maging 100% ang, ang pagkain ng hayop na nanggagaling dito by building up yung nature. Kasi kapag na-build up ng na-build up yung nature, siya yung nagsasariling uh, mag-produce ng mag-produce ng resources para sa hayop at para na, para na din sa amin. Parang gustong-gusto ko na rin makita na mas dumami pa yung mga punong kahoy dito sa paligid kasi dati ang mindset nga namin, kailangan uh, uh, pag meron kang mga taniman, dapat cleared siya. So sa ngayon, nawala na yung ganung ano namin, yung ganung mindset. Meron na lang kaming maliit na allocated para dun sa, sa mga gulayan. Yung nais naming gawin ngayon sa mga susunod na buwan is lumapit sa mga communities para introduce ito. Actually, uh, lumalapit ako sa mga barangay council uh, para makipag-engage pagdating sa, sa pag-build up ng resiliency ng isang community. So bahagi ng pagiging resilient kasi yung yan, maganda ang iyong kapaligiran and at the same time, mayroong supply ng pagkain yung, yung, yung komunidad. Kung ano yung nagawa namin dito, yun yung gusto namin maipakita na rin sa iba. Kaya nga uh, nakakatuwa itong, ano, itong engagement natin na yan, naisishare ko kung ano yung aming ginagawa dito. Kasi uh, ito naman natutunan ko lang din naman sa, iba, sa ibang mga permaculturist. Uh, napapansin ko dumadami yung mga nag-advocate ng ganito. Kaya ang ganda sa pakiramdam na dumarami yung nagtutulungan para sa magandang uh, kinabukasan natin. Tama po, sir. Actually, interesado din nga po kami dyan sa mga community food forest or community garden. Kasi lalo po ngayon na sabi nyo nga po, part po yan ng resiliency, ng food security. Pero isa din yan po sa way of getting everyone together uh, sa isang komunidad. Siguro, sir, ngayon since natutuwa nga po tayo na mas maraming tao ang nahihilig sa pagtatanim, sa farming, sa gardening. Meron po ba kayong ano, tanong tip sa kanila? Una, una siguro, uh, kasi ang nagiging problema, karaniwan, pag, uh, pag nakipag-usap ka, uh, bakit, di, bakit hindi sila, nag, di sila nagtatanim? Ano? Ang pangunahin kasing problema ng natin ay yung resources. Kasabihin natin, uh, wala tayong lupa, walang taniman. 
siguro una uh, tingnan natin kung ano yung mga nasa kapaligiran mga yung mga dahong nalalaglag mga damong ginagamas ay napakagandang pangunahing resource natin para gumawa ng lupa ng taniman merong mga pamamaraan na mabilis para ito ma-convert natin at magawa nating taniman pangalawa dahil sa napakamahal ng na mga bilihin ngayon maganda na bawat tahanan mag mag-effort na mag-build up ng kanilang edible garden sa palibot kahit maliit 'yang lugar mo pwede naman diyang magkaroon ng uh, mga potted plants piliin natin kung ano yung paborito nating kainin sa bahay at yung mga fertilizer kasi niyan uh, pwede nating i-research yung takakura isang mabilis na pag-convert ng mga uh, kitchen scraps para maging uh, microbial inoculant para pwede nating magamit sa paggawa ng compost. So, yan. At pangatlo, actually kapag nagtatanim tayo, hindi natin kailangang isakripisyo ang kalikasan. Mas maganda kung sa pagtatanim natin, itong kalikasan ang ating gabay. Gawin natin na ang pagtatanim ay solusyon para ang dating sigla ng kalikasan ay maibalik. Maraming maraming salamat po sa oras nyo, Sir Vincer. Nakakatuwa na parang yung dinescribe nyo po yung inyong eco farm ay parang dream farm po yon para sa akin. Salamat po. <laughs> Sana po pag, pag wala na po itong pandemic at uh, safe nang makapamasyal na pupuntahan mm. po namin kayo. Uh, maraming salamat po sa inyong oras, sir, at sana yung maraming natutunan yung ating mga listeners sa podcast mula sa inyo. Salamat po sa inspirasyon. Salamat din po ng marami sa pagkakataon at mabuhay. So what did you guys think? I'm gonna start with you, Albert. Okay. It was nice to hear the birds in the background. I was, it, was, it added to You know, because it's audio, you're really just listening to voices. But when you hear the birds, you can immediately visualize the surroundings. I, I, I imagine him by a window or in this patio or maybe in the garden mismo and all the birds around. And I was just curious about what species were there. So it was a, a pleasant, it was, uh, um, it was pleasant to listen to, you know, on top of like the information you were sharing, just hearing the birds. Um, so I thought that was nice. And, and then realizing afterwards now, he, he really purposefully try to increase biodiversity, even use the word biodiversity, you know. So I, I, obviously because I've been in environmental sector for a while, when I hear people, especially farmers or people growing their own gardens and they talk, I want to increase the biodiversity and use native plants. It's like, oh, it's nice to hear from someone else for a change instead of always because, you know, as an artist working with NGOs, environment NGOs, I'm also, I'm used to visualizing it and sharing it. It's always nice to hear um, some person a stranger um talk about it and then there you go boom they have birds you know it works that's the evidence so I, that was the the main thing that stuck out to me um how about you chinkin you yes. know all these practices from permaculture through joe of course but yes and you know <laughs> it's like you know i've heard that when joe is in the bathroom or oh That was mentioned when she was cooking something over the kitchen. When Joyce in the bathroom, because I listen to permaculture. Oh, okay, okay. That's like totally. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. So when she's in the bathroom, she listens to podcasts while taking a shower. 
And I catch that. I catch those bits. And it's really familiar. It's like I could easily be listening to someone who's talking about permaculture in the States or in Australia or whatnot. And it's very relatable that it's a Filipino talking about it. There was indeed a lot to take in from the opening statements. It's like you have a computer science graduate who's now a farmer. Um, but what really got my attention was obviously the immobilization that he got from having a gouty attack or a gouty arthritic condition to his diabetes. Because I think disease really plays a big effort or a big component in a vicious cycle where you're immobilized. So you are in pain because you're in pain and then you stay at home and then you allow yourself to be bedridden and being bedridden allows you to have a lot of these other comorbidities or infections. But he was someone who persevered with such conditions and when you look at, you know, 1800s treatment for patients who have very poor pain control or patients who just don't want to go out, letting them experience music, letting them be exposed to the garden is great therapy in itself. So it's also relatable that when you talk about gouty attacks, it can also be treated by medication by controlling the amount of uric acid you have in your body, but also with the particular food rich in purines that, you know, eventually lead to uric acid buildup that can, you know, be controlled through the proper intake of food. Um, I don't think it is a limiting condition. I know of a lot of diabetics and gouty arthritic patients who are living successful lives who are being able to, you know, do their activities of daily living, but it's just wonderful to note that despite disease or pathology, you have people who persevere and are working, tilling the farms. And I really felt that he was one with his surroundings. It's like if he was not in a component of his farm, that farm might cease to exist. That's how I felt when I was listening to him. It's interesting that you, you mentioned music and gardening or nature right because i i recently came across this quote i think from oliver sachs the neuroscientist that like when it comes down to it like after everything it, there are two things that can i think I, I i don't remember the quote word for word right but when it comes down to it the two things that can uplift um a human spirit is music and nature or music and a garden i think that the quote goes something like that uh, well, you know, Chinkin and I, when we were listening to this interview, we were just so, it was so uplifting. So, was so I was so happy to hear from um, Vincer and to hear how connected he was or he is to, to his farm, to his land. And like what Albert said, how he kept on repeating from the very beginning, gusto nila my wildlife talaga, the biodiversity is really important to him or to his family and and it was it was enlightening to also hear his journey from you know when he was exploring options i guess when he was starting his farm and everybody else around him was practicing conventional farming with pesticides and and you know it was disheartening to hear the practices in, in that kind of farming, right? Like when they were soaking produce in poison for however long. And 
and he just you know vincer just knew that you know that's not the kind of engagement that that he wants with nature and so he he got into permaculture and it's just so great to hear about you know a farmer who val who values wildlife as much as his produce you know like he doesn't see birds as competition for whatever he's growing he it he wants them there he loves that the birds are there and it was really nice to hear the birds you know while he was talking i think that's also what really stood out for me uh talking to him so i found him through a post on Facebook by the Permaculture Association of the Philippines. And what really attracted me to this particular farm is that, you know, it's semi-forested and it really talks about biodiversity as like a huge part of the part of the farm. And so I'm like, okay, let me just message them and see if they're open to being interviewed on this podcast. And he was, he was very open to it. And yeah, I think, what stood out for me really is that, you know, he has a strong sense of that connection, as you, Joe said, you know, as you mentioned. Um, I think there's also the perspective that changes when you are trying to be one with nature. Like in conventional farming, you treat certain things as pests or as not unnecessary or they don't have a uh, purpose, but if you are trying to farm or build a farm um, with nature and with all the other species that that try to benefit from nature, it's like there's no good and bad, you know. Parang everything's everything has its own purpose, and that's how nature is. I mean, nature evolved like so many millions of years before us, and it knows it knows what serves a purpose and what doesn't and who are we to say that some species are pests and some are not right and so it was really interesting um that that i got to talk to him um i was able to see a bit of his farm he had a we we were doing a video call at first before the signal got really wobbly <laughs> um yeah and he's he looks really healthy now um i really like that Jinkin, you mentioned that uh, about the gout and and, and that lifestyle um, because, yeah, I think we there's a huge gap in the shift to to healthier lifestyle and gardens might be one of those measures that we need. Um, yeah, I forget if he mentioned this. Maybe you can remind me. Lang. Did he mention why he transitioned from indoors owning an internet cafe? Right, he has internet. He had an internet cafe before, computer science, all that. And then the garden, how did that jump happen? It's because of the gout. Um, but why nature? Why I have gout and then I'm going to make a uh, he, he retired. Always, yeah. Ah, okay. He, had that, had, he uh, had that land. That's what yeah. he did. Okay. Uh, it you know connected into what Jenkins was saying. And then the context of us staying at home. And ako, I'm at the laptop. We're at the laptop all the time. It got me, it reminded me. It was a humbling reminder from Vincent saying now how he had gout and these diabetic, you know, issues. And he was at, at the in front of a computer all the time. I can imagine it going to school, always sitting down, just right there typing away. And then how his life changed. He practically saved his life. Right, Jenkin? Can we argue yeah. that? 
I mean, you know, it, 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 it worked for him. I'm sure it can work for other people. Uh, to build up on your question for yourself, he, Vincer also mentioned in his opening statements that as a child, he really loved nature. Mm. And, you know, it put him back. Um, yung isa pang gusto ko sa pag-uusap niyo kanina, uh, Rosel, was that he used a lot of Filipino words that, you know, we usually don't get to use anymore. So yung mga karaniwang salita, like um, yung, yung katutubo for indigenous or native cheese. I was telling John earlier that, you know, katutubo, the root word is tubo. So for something raw, like native indigenous, in the Philippines, we related to growth. So he's someone so connected there in that level. And despite his infirmities, he was drawn back to do what he's meant to do. Good catch on that, actually, Chinkin. Gusto ko rin yung nagtatagalog siya, kahit medyo ako nahihirapan <laughs> during the interview. But it was so, um, it's like a balm to the soul, you know, when he was explaining everything in his language. And yun nga, yung meron siyang instinct eh. Diba? Parang alam niya na to. Ito yung hilig ko. Ito yung gustong-gusto ko dati pa. And even when when he didn't know about permaculture before, he was already doing something. Diba? Parang kumbaga, permaculture gave him the, 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 the framework for what he really wants to do. And I guess that's also... Uh, one of the things that maybe caught your attention, Joe, na, you know, is it really possible that we we can practice permaculture without the framework, knowing the framework, or are we okay with just, you know, knowing the principles, etc., and then we can go with our own path, build our own path uh, towards regenerative practices? Yeah. Yeah, definitely, you know, like permaculture is from indigenous knowledge. You know, it's based on indigenous knowledge. And it's just, I think, the founders came up with it because we as a society have um, traveled far from that knowledge, right? And permaculture is but one way to go back to relearn those things. But definitely, you you don't have to you know, officially know the principles of permaculture to actually practice them. You know, it's, it's, um, it's essentially being connected with nature, observing nature, and not having that desire to just control a piece of land or landscape. Like, you know, I want this to look like this. I don't want this plant. I don't want this bug. Or I don't want this bird. It's like you you interact with nature like you're an equal part of everything else. You know, you're part of the ecosystem. And that is something, you know, you don't need uh, you don't need to study permaculture for that. If you're open to, you know, spending time in nature and and really being there and I think that will come to you eventually, you know, that wonder and that awe about everything else that will make you you know think think and act as one with everything else permaculture is a framework and it has principles but it doesn't really tell you exactly what to do you know 
it I think that comes from from being in nature and being open and observing and you know thinking about what's best for everything there you know not just for yourself I think that's also what I'll take away uh, from this interview and from you Joe and while we work on our community garden <laughs> like of course when you think that you don't own the land and for a community garden or a public space that is very very important that you don't own this thing and that everybody owns it and they, they everyone has ownership of it parang mas nagiging sensitive ka of the interconnection between people and species and the land and what you do with it um you're not imposing and you're just trying to figure out how one person's or one situation's problems um, can can be solved by another part of the equation or whatever. So, parang yeah, I think that's humbling in its in its own way, knowing that the the that big principle na hey, we're not here to own nature or, or own the earth. Or, but stewards of it. And there are several other species that we we have to respect. Yeah, it, um, and my realization then is, especially with that with the community garden, like, um, and what you guys were talking about, permaculture, it, it takes time. You kind of, you, you jump into this land that you want to do something with, and you can't just do it right away. You kind of have to pay attention to uh, like joe mentioned before where's the water source and then is it slant is it is it slanted the land where the water goes and it helped that we, at least with this community garden we have um koyapong who's been there all his life and he he gives us the knowledge of this this area the nature that he observed and you know how, how it works the rainy season how this part of the garden floods like you can't just go in and do what you want you kind of have to really listen and pay attention. Oh, there's a banana tree here. There's this here. There's whatever. And um, off before we started the podcast, we were discussing about using tibig. Dibajo, uh, it's a native fig tree that can, that will thrive in and very. Tamajo, will it will it thrive in a very That's wet so wet soil yeah. and and it just sucks up the water. So, um, you know, it's just um, Vincent who's or Vincer who's been doing this. You know, he. As Jinkin mentioned, he loved nature as a kid and um, he's bringing it back. He already had that notion already, like you have to pay attention and and look. And now his garden has birds and not just, gar- you know, plants and fruits and it, it has everything more. So, and he mentioned in one of his Tanum Tip in Tagalog, he said something, Gabay, Gabay is a guide, no? Mm-hmm. Gabay, the nature is a guide. I forget the whole Tagalog phrase. And that w- that was it. That that you have to follow nature. Nature doesn't follow you, kind of thing. So I, I that 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 line stuck out to me. When he was mentioning, and I think this is the first time I asked somebody to kind of share what's in their garden or what's in their farm, because I was so so curious about you know all the sounds and sights in the farm, and I haven't been to Labo. Camarines Norte. I've been to some parts of Camsur and Cam Norte, but yeah, he said he's four hours from the town proper, and yeah, he he was 
sharing all these, you know, what what could be seen in the farm. And parang talagang, parang so, so curious and so jealous. Like, I want to be there now. <laughs> I don't want to be stuck at home. <laughs> Yeah, we were, Shinkin and I were daydreaming na nga na pag, you know, when the pandemic is over and we can all fly, like we can all meet up and tour. Yes. The- <laughs> and dami natin bibisitahing farms here at Tepolo, Labo, nako, kusan yeah. saan, Bohol. <laughs> yeah, so much to look forward to. At least now, this, we can connect with these people with this podcast, which is really just refreshing for our minds when, you know, we're stuck at home and hopefully for the listeners too. So, yeah. You were mentioning earlier then, guys, that, you know, while listening to the interview, you feel it's it's really uplifting to, to hear from Vincer. Is there a specific thing for you guys? And what's your kind of like next steps after when you were done listening to the to the interview para was there something that says okay i feel so inspired i'm gonna do this i think it's like when you listen to him you know that he's the kind of person who gets down on his knees and touches the soil himself you know it's different like you know that you know that he's very hands-on like he doesn't say it explicitly right but the way he talks about his their farm the land, the things they do, you know that he's so, he's so really just connected to it. And you can feel that. And it was really so amazing to, to just, you know, hear that and realize that, that here's this person who, 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 you know, probably has soil in between his fingers like me. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's amazing. It was really, it was really nice to hear. Uh, Vincer is really someone who gets excited with the work he does. And those are the kind of people that I would like to associate myself with professionally because it's simply a professional work ethic. Um, He's also a natural teacher. He displays so much patience when he teaches, when he explains. Everything is so basic but clear, but at the same time full of knowledge when he wanted to explain how he, he needs to build up soil or tell his students that you can't just rush things. This, these things need to be planned out. You may have to wait for two years for it to be properly done. That speaks of great patience, really. And it comes full circle because here you have a teacher who is also a student. He is so open to knowledge that he listens to. He applies it in his own practice. He observes what he sees in his practice. And he shares it based on the successes that he has. And listening to him, parang you know that he has no other agenda than, you know, he has no agenda though. It's just to be, to share his relationship with nature and, you know, the gifts that he has found through that. Well, for me, I just can't think about I'd stop thinking about birds after that podcast. So after that, when we went to, when we went back to the garden, I really looked at the birds. There's a um, uh, pied fantail or Maria Clara. We have the yellow vent. You know the typical birds actually in the urban area. So the NGO I volunteer for Haribon, they called for a, a bird watching count last, mid-April, and so that's where I did the count. <laughs> after listening to the podcast and then. Um, yeah, and then I, I submitted it. So, and every time we go now, I'm looking at the birds. 
I'm trying to think, how can we add more birds here? What will the birds want? They're going to want fruit. They're going to want. So uh, now I'm thinking, I don't just want to feed people. I want to feed the birds so that more of them come and I can hear them more. So that, that, was, that was it for me. Action steps. For <laughs> <laughs> kind of action steps. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I'm wired. But this is counterintuitive. And that I learned from Vincer and kind of pointed out by Chinkin is that we have to be patient. <laughs> Parang yun yung kind of like my action step. Like, girl, slow down, be patient. And yeah, he mentioned also that you don't have to tackle everything all at once. Partition muna, maybe a tenth of your whatever you're working on, maybe just a small part or just experiment. And I think that's, that's also very applicable to like farming gardening and, and the rest of our the rest of our lives like aspects of our lives at work family life friendships relationships um anything that's worth investing in also needs a lot of you know patience, patience. <laughs> you know this <laughs> we're trying to grow each other cultivate each other yeah water yeah. each other <laughs> um <laughs> yeah so <laughs> just kidding uh, correct me if i'm wrong kamsor is in bicol bicol region kam kam north Camarines. Yes, Bicol. Okay. Camarines, no? Okay, because Bicol, diba, it's a volcanic, there's a, it's a volcanic belt. So the, the soil, tama ba? Really good. Is really rich. Really rich. Okay. Yeah. And his farm actually, I think, sits at the foot of... Which mountain? I forget which mountain. Maybe I'll check on his um, on his Facebook. Mm. But I think, yeah, it's a, it's a smaller mountain than Mayon for sure. Because mine is Albay area. Yeah, so that yeah. must help. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's scary. I mean, I mean, that's that's where they live. Like that's centuries, or you know, yeah. But at the same time, you have. I mean, you're in the midst of all these volcanoes and you know Mayon and all that. But it's really, I run in an ironic way. It actually helps the soil too, and that's probably what's contributing then to his farm, which is a good thing. I think it's Mount Bagakai. Oh, okay. Yeah. I never heard of that mountain. Yeah, I think but but I know there are several. Mm-hmm. In that area, just not just my own. Uh, mm-hmm. Mount yeah. Isarog, Mount. I forgot the others. That's all the only two. Anything else from you guys? Uh, I'm going to research um, the Takakura method. Like Ooh. he mentioned it towards the end. I think in his tanum tip. Yeah, I think it it's something to do with kitchen scraps and um, inoculating compost. I think. I really haven't, I don't know anything about it. So I'll, I'll look that up. Yeah, actually, hindi ko rin siya na intindihan masyado. That, that one, but I wanted to ask you. So yes, thank you, Joe, for researching and sharing with us. Yeah, I remember there was a phrase, he, I actually wrote it down, microbial inoculant. Yeah. And then I tried to look it up and it says, it uses beneficial ris- rhizospheric or endophytic microbes to promote plant health. And then I said, okay. I'm still confused. <laughs> well, I see promote plant health. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, it's good, Joe. You're going to look into yeah. that. Maybe you can share with us 
Yeah, I'll look into it. I think the, it uses, no, it uses kitchen scraps to... The kitchen scraps would be the food of those microfitic or... You think so? I would think so. I would... I, I don't know. It breaks down. Because that it, means you would have to get that inoculant. Okay. Right? It's really great that we're going to be looking it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will look it up. Yeah. And share like with all of you. Composting method. Mm. Yeah. And there are a lot of this na Japanese, no? Bokashi. Yeah. yeah. Actually, permaculture, yung founders, Bill Mollison and David Holmgren, they really studied the methods of uh, Masanobu Fuku- Fukuoka, I want to say. Besides, he's a natural farmer in Japan. Mm. I guess Japan because they're... They're very in tune with nature. They right? have home gardens. And yeah, the vegetable gardens are also one of the, I think, factors why most of their seniors live longer, right? In that book, Ikigai. Mm. So at least now, we're not always in front of our laptops. We have a community garden to go to. We're logging in our steps, getting some sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully we don't develop gout. <laughs> yeah, I, then, I, I don't know if Chinkin shared this during a recording. Did he? How many steps you need per day? 10,000 steps. You did, right? Last time. 10,000. 10,000. 10,000 10, every day. 10, I don't think it was in a recording though. I think it was just in our, easy, okay. our so the, daily updates. Or... There you go, listeners. <laughs> From we, a foot doctor. <laughs> oh, we have... It, it's, it's beneficial or well, crucial to do 10,000 steps a day, so... Find a way. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys so much. I think we are all very inspired by, by Vincer's story. And I can't wait for all of us to meet there someday. Kitakits na lang sa farm ni Vincer. Kahit papaalam tayo. In-invite na natin yung sarili natin. Uh-oh. I I I think he doesn't mind naman. Hopefully, <laughs> papaalam tayo. <laughs> and yeah, so I hope you guys, our listeners, also uh, learned a lot from that. Let us know if you have any comments and if you have any leads for interviewees or um, any topics that you're interested in or curious about. Just let us know. Yeah, and we're still accepting um, voice voice recordings or voice greetings I forget how we called it you know just send it over Facebook Messenger on Facebook or you can record it on your phone and then send it over um, via email and we'll play them and and say hello back thank you guys thanks guys thank you thank you thank you from Manila this is Albert this is Rochelle keep growing and from Bacolod it's Joanne and Chinkin keep planting Intro music is Siesta by Jazar. <laughs>